This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Okay, 403-974-8255. But I want to get to our next guest. And look, obviously we're learning a lot more about uh, the HMS terror and Erebus and their mysterious uh, disappearances and the whole story of the uh, quest for the Northwest Passage. There's an interesting uh, new book out uh, on all of this that, that adds an important component, I think, to this tale. I want to get into it here. It's called Dead Reckoning, the Untold Story of the Northwest Passage. Ken McGugan, the author of several books. This is his latest. Ken, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks very much for having me, Rob. Now, you're going to be in town soon. You're going to be uh, in town for WordFest, aren't you? Yeah, I'm quite excited. Uh, you know, Calgary being my own ho- old hometown. Well, and it misses you, Ken. It misses you. <laughs> um, it's interesting. You've written a, a lot about the Arctic and Arctic exploration. I think it's what, uh, your, your fifth book uh, on this topic? Yeah, it's my fifth on the Arctic exploration. It all started back in 2001 with uh, Fatal Passage, and uh, I seem to, seem to have some kind of an obsession going on. <laughs> well, but I think it, it's important, right? Well, I think so. Um, it, it certainly, I, you know, once upon a time, I thought I was a hip urban kind of writer, but uh, I became entranced with, with the Arctic and the history of it, and uh, I've been plugged in ever since. Well, I mean, part of it, too, is that there, there was such a mystery around, you know, these ships and this, this, this mission and what happened, right? And, and I think a lot of people sort of became almost amateur historians slash detectives and trying to figure this out. But, you know, there, there's a bigger story here, though, isn't there? Yeah, it seems to me that the focus on the Franklin expedition is a, is is a little overdone. It's a great starting point, but there's so much more to the history of uh, the exploration of uh, the Northwest Passage, and it kind of the Franklin mystery is interesting in itself. But the the intense focus on that tends to distort uh, the very exciting story of uh, of the quest for the passage, and in particular in that story. You know, the, the thing I'm I, I'm trying to uh, uh, repair is the omission of uh, the indigenous peoples. I mean, again and again, we hear the same story of John Franklin and uh, Edward Parry and James Clark Ross, all these Royal Navy figures, uh, British Royal Navy figures. But there's a, a great Canadian story that has been, you know, uh, obscured and uh, basically somewhat untold, and that is the contribution of the native peoples of the Inuit and First Nations to the exploration of the Arctic. And that's the untold story that I'm trying to incorporate in this uh, sweeping tale, Dead Reckoning. Well, it's interesting because now that we know more about what happened to the ships and and the fate of their crews, a lot of people have noticed that very much lines up with the, uh, the, the Inuit stories that have been passed down generation after generation that maybe we didn't pay enough attention to. Yeah, well, what happened uh, was um, c- certain explorers, certain overland explorers in-, in particular, who were not Royal Navy officers, 
went up uh, to the Arctic and talked to the Inuit people who were there, and they recorded uh, that testimony. But the great, uh, what I call the orthodox history of the passage, kind of just overrode all that, as if the important thing is the, uh, you know, the the ships and their officers. And, you know, that was part of it, but. What was overlooked were, were these uh, Inuit accounts in particular, and now they're being vindicated because um, well, you know, what the Inuit said, they said, well, it's roughly in this area here. And uh, sure enough, that's where it turns out to be. And they, and they, uh, those, the Inuit oral tradition brings forward some very interesting uh, information that, uh, I mean, the search on those ships has just been, uh, just begun. The underwater archaeologist I was talking to, uh, the leader of them, Marc-André Bernier of Parks Canada, just last week in the Arctic. And, uh, you know, they, they, this whole search has just begun of the ships. And they're almost certainly going to be finding human remains in there and uh, possibly all kinds of records that are that are going to be uh, kind of interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more to learn about it. So um, once, once then we go back and we start to include the Inuit into to, to the record of, of what happened and, and part of this, this history, how does that change then our, our understanding of all of this? Well, yeah, just to run through it quickly, um, uh, Samuel Hearn, a terrific explorer, I wrote, I wrote a whole book about him. He, he was the first uh, explorer to... Uh, travel overland, he reached the Arctic coast of uh, North America at Coppermine or Kugluktuk, but he could not have done that without Matanabe. Um, and that and that's crucial. Okay, even John Franklin, before he sailed on his last voyage, he led two Royal Navy expeditions overland. On the first, it was a disaster, a first disaster. He lost 11 out of 20 men, and he was starving to death himself when a Yellowknife Dene leader named Akaicho saved his life. On his second expedition, an Enoch named uh, Tatanawak rescued him when he was surrounded by 250 hostile men. So, I mean, right there, uh, you've got major uh, First Nations and Inuit uh, contributions that are, you know, most people never heard of these uh, uh, these facts. Um, or when Charles Francis Hall went north, gathering uh, testimony, uh, crucial testimony that led to the recent discoveries of the two ships. He had an Inuit couple with him, Tukalito and Birbing. Without them, as translators and hunters, he would never have elicited all this eyewitness testimony that shed so much light on what happened. When John Ray discovered the missing link in the Northwest Passage, he had two men with him the Enoch, Ligbuck, and the Ojibwe, Mistigan. And then he needed Ligbuck to help him determine the fate of the Franklin expedition. The first, you know, he was the first to report the cannibalism among final survivors. So it just goes on and on. For the Inuit who lived in this area at the time, and lived there for centuries, what, what did the Northwest Passage even mean to them, other than these, these Brits, these others uh, trying to find it? Yeah, well, the fact is, I mean, uh, the Northwest Passage is a European concept. Right. Um, the idea pretty well meant nothing in itself. They weren't seeking any, any kind of passage uh, in themselves or for themselves. I mean, the Europeans were the ones who, starting in the 16th century, 
wanted wanted a, a a short direct route, and in particular England wanted this short direct route to the riches of Cathay, because uh, the Portuguese and, and the Dutch had had sewn up southern routes, and uh, you know they were they had warship warships out there, and they weren't ready to share. So the English thought, well, we'll just head over. Why don't we just head over the top, and that'll be a nice short way to do it. And, uh, it turned out to be a lot more difficult than they ever anticipated. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. Um, yeah. So you, you suggested maybe for that that reason, this has been this has become a British story or a British narrative. Yeah, well, I'm I'm bent on taking it back. Uh, you know what, what's so often forgotten? It's also a Hudson's Bay Company Canadian fur trade story. It's a Canadian story, and that's what's being, you know, the Orthodox history forgets that all the time. I mean, the Hudson's Bay Company traders and the fur trade uh, traders, I mean, such as um, Samuel Hearn, he was with the HBC. Um, Alexander McKenzie, he, w- he was a fur trader. He was the second one to reach the Arctic coast. Um, Thomas Simpson and uh, Peter Warren Deese, they were uh, fur traders again with the HBC. So was uh, so was John Ray. They were all laying out crucial parts of the uh, of what is really the southern channel of the Northwest Passage. But you hear them, you know, treated in passing. Uh, but these were key figures, and these were the figures who worked with the Inuit people nonstop. They were working with. They always had. A guide or or, or a, 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 a friend, a compatriot there with them. So that's the part of the story. I'm trying to tell the whole story, including the discovery of the Erebus and the Terror recently, including all that, but incorporating uh, you know that indigenous component. What does this history also tell us about the climate of this this region and how that's changed over the years and what it's meant to to those who live there? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting because uh, I remember, you see, what happened to me, I, I, I got immersed, I, I, I got up to the Arctic early on in uh, 1999, first time, um, and then I got immersed in it, in the history of it. So I had a very clear vision of what it looked like in the 19th century in particular, and even back to the 18th. And in that vision, I saw lots of ice. Okay, flash forward to when I go up there, Okay, the first time I walk onto Beachy Island, where the first three sailors of the Franklin Expedition were buried, I walk onto Beachy Island in, in September, and there's no ice or anywhere. I happen to know that in 1850, when the first three graves were discovered, that whole place was encased in ice. There were, there were six or eight ships packed into the ice. People were out playing, the men were out playing games on the ice. You know, so completely transformed, certainly since the 1850s. So that's one of the useful things about the, um, uh, about reading the history. You see what it was like then, and you go up there and you see what it's like now, and holy mackerel, completely different. Well, the book is called Dead Reckoning, The Untold Story of the Northwest Passage. Ken, uh, thanks so much for being with us here today. Really appreciate this. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate your having me on. All right, take care. That is Ken McGugan. Uh, his latest book, Dead Reckoning, 403-974-8255 is our number. We are back with more right after this. 
Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.